as a ship and crack Where secrets lie in the border fires and the humming wires Yeah, man, you know you're never coming back Past the square, past the bridge, past the mills, past the stacks On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Welcome to a Sister Dream podcast. Tonight is the first episode of Scream Month, and for those of you not in the know, Scream Month, I will be reviewing all four Scream movies, and then the first episode of the new Scream series. But like I said, tonight is the first episode, and we will discuss Scream, the 1996 Wes Craven film that started it all. Scream started out as a script by Kevin Williamson called Scary Movie, ironically, and basically the uh, the producers and everybody showed it to they thought it was a comedy. They didn't take it seriously. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, but once it was made, people took it serious. But it is, in fact, kind of a satire of the late 70s, 80s horror movies, particularly the slasher films. And it opens with Drew Barrymore, and she gets a phone call from this menacing guy. And, uh, Apparently it's the wrong number. So, you know, whatever. And uh, then he calls back, like, right as soon as he, you know, gets off the phone with her. And uh, she hangs up and, you know, they're having, he keeps calling her back and they have this normal conversation. And he's like, uh, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm, she's, I'm making popcorn, she says. And then he only makes popcorn when he's about to watch a movie. And she's like, well, I am. And it's like, I'm about to watch some scary movie. And he's like, well, what's your favorite scary movie? And then uh, she says Halloween. And then uh, she, she asks what his favorite scary movie is. And he says, take a wild guess. And she says, Nightmare on Elm Street. And, of course, it's like that, the one with the guy with the knives or fingers. He's like, I like that movie. It was scary. And she says, the first one was, but the rest sucked. The funny thing is, Wes Craven, the director of Scream, is the one that is the director of the original Nightmare on Elm Street. And Nightmare on Elm Street, of course, holds a dear place in my heart because that's one of my favorite scary movies as well as Halloween. But the name is Sister Dream Podcast comes from Nightmare on Elm Street. But anyway... Uh, he keeps calling her back and she's slowly starting to get creeped out. And, and then, uh, he's, he, eventually she's, uh, yells at him, says, listen, asshole. And he just takes a complete turn for the worst. He's like, no, you listen, you little bitch. Hang up on me again. I'm gonna gut you like a fish. And then, um, pure horror movie, slasher movie stuff. I mean, when a stranger calls black Christmas, you know, the babysitter urban legend, essentially. Which is, um, you know, we, we know this. And you've heard the story. For those of you that have not seen Scream, I am not going to hold back. I'm going to just go through the whole movie and spoil it. So if you haven't seen it, 
check it out. It's on Netflix right now. I highly recommend it. Long story short. (laughs) But if you don't want to know spoilers, I'm sorry. I'm going to spoil the shit out of this movie because I'm going to be talking about all four movies over the course of June. So you can't really talk about one movie. Uh, You can't really talk about sequels without without spoiling the movies before. But anyway, if that is the case and you don't want to spoil you don't want to have any spoilers, uh stop this podcast right now. Go watch it on Netflix. The first three are on Netflix. The fourth one was on Netflix, but it's not on there anymore. Don't know what's up with that, but watch the first one because that's what we're talking about tonight. All right, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Uh Come to find out he's outside somewhere. He says he wants to know who he's looking or wants to know who he's staring at or whatever. And then she uh, says that she's going to call the police and he says they'll never make it in time because she's out in the middle of nowhere. Of course she is. Uh, Then she screams, you know, I have a boyfriend. He's going to kick your ass. And earlier, you know, she lied to him and said she didn't have a boyfriend because she's you know, a teenage girl, and, you know, they're not monogamous in the least bit, <laughs> anyway, um, he says, uh, you know, she, she says that he's big, and he plays football, and he'll kick the shit out of him, and then, you know, of course, he's like, I'm really scared, his name wouldn't be Steve, would it, and, you know, of course, that's her boyfriend, tells her, turn on the patio light, and he's out there tied up with duct tape around his mouth and says, I want to play a game. And then uh, just answer these questions and Steve lives and you'll live and whatnot. And said, uh, name the killer in Halloween. Michael Myers, of course, she gets that. And what's kind of cool is at that moment, if you really, if you know Halloween, you listen to the background music. The music kind of starts, you know, the score, the scream score, kind of plays the Halloween notes. Yeah. And he says, okay, you got that one right. Name the killer in Friday the 13th. She just jumps up. It's Jason. Jason's the killer. And he's like, I'm sorry. That's the wrong answer. He's like, I've seen that movie 20 goddamn times. And he's like, well, you would know that Jason isn't the killer in that movie Jason's mother is the killer and Jason didn't show up until the sequel and some people are like well Jason did show up at the end of Friday 13th and he means Jason didn't kill anybody Jason was not the killer until the sequel and he wasn't the hockey mask you know killer that we all know he had a burlap sack over his head but that's the point anyway she answered the question wrong so Steve dies you know the lights go out and you know you hear Steve Steve getting ripped apart and you know she turns on the light and uh sees that he's been gutted and he says okay now the final question what door am I at and she says you know she just watched her boyfriend get butchered so she can't really answer he's like okay well your call and he throws a chair through the window and kind of stalks her through the house and she goes outside and this is Drew Barrymore okay she's not as big of a star in 1996 as she is now but she was the big name in this movie aside from Courtney Cox who was really best known for being in Ace Ventura uh, Bruce Springsteen uh, music video and probably biggest was uh, Friends at the time the TV show Friends so Drew Barrymore is a big name and she opened this uh, slasher film so you're thinking she's going to get away Uh -uh. she don't get away 
uh, the killer, Ghostface, as he's later called, uh, jumps through a window and chases her and stabs her. And then proceeds to stab her over and over again. And as this is going on, her parents have shown up. And they don't see her out in the yard. And uh, they realize, you know, well, she was making popcorn on the stove. The stove is now on fire. So they put out the fire. And they pick up the phone to call the cops. And they can hear um, their daughter being stabbed repeatedly. And they, uh, the dad tells the mother to go down the street to the McKenzie's house. More on that in a second. And to call the police. And that line is from the original Halloween. Jamie Lee Curtis told uh, uh, the kids to do that at the very end of Halloween. Said drive, uh, didn't say drive, of course, because she's talking to kids. Uh, go down to the McKenzie's house and call the cops. And so that line's from Halloween. There's a lot of Halloween-isms throughout the Scream franchise. But um, she goes, uh, the mother goes outside and sees Drew Barrymore hanging from a tree right in front of the house, gutted, and uh, falls down screaming. Her daughter's been slaughtered, or slaughtered. And the star of the movie is now dead, so it's got this very Janet Lee and Psycho type thing going, you know. And it really set the standard for slasher movies, particularly uh, teen slasher films, or really any horror movie after that, even though it had been done before, that the first person you see in a movie usually dies. So don't get too uh, comfortable with them. And then it goes to Nev Campbell as Sydney, and we follow her. She's in uh, her bedroom on the computer, and her boyfriend, Billy, Shows up at her window in a very Johnny Depp and Nightmare on Elm Street type way. And they talk and, you know, he's like, he says, I was at home watching The Exorcist and it made me think of you. You know, because that would definitely work on a girl. You say, I'm watching The Exorcist and I'm thinking about you. Uh, That's okay. That somehow works for Billy. And they start making out. um, He says the whole thing is... It was edited for television, The Exorcist was, and that all the good stuff was cut out. And um, that a year before, they were hot and heavy, you know, a nice hour rating on the way to NC-17, but then something changed, and we find out later that her mother was killed, very similar to Drew Barrymore in the scene before. And that since then she didn't want to, she didn't want to give poor little Billy any, but whatever. And they start making out, and he starts to make his move, and she stops him, and tells him, you know, you know, he needs to go before her dad catches him. So he leaves, and then the next morning, the whole school is full of news reporters and stuff like that. You see, uh, if you look in the background, you see Linda Blair from The Exorcist as a news reporter, and then you see a <clears throat> pretty, uh, pretty out there, out in the open, is uh, Courtney Cox's Gail Weathers reporting on the murders of uh, Drew Barrymore and her boyfriend. And then we're introduced to uh, Rose McGowan's character Tatum, who's like Sydney's best friend, and tells her that you know. Uh, Casey Becker, which is Drew Barrymore's character, was murdered last night, and you know, it were, you know, splatter movie killed, as she says. And then uh, 
uh, Sydney says, uh, she used to, she sits by me in English class, and of course she says, not anymore, which it has a lot of that black humor, that dark comedy throughout the movie, which is kind of funny. It, I mean, it's easy to realize, it's easy to see why it was mistaken for a comedy, you know, at first. And then, you know, we're introduced to, um, the principal who's played by Henry Winkler, the Fonz, of course, and if you don't know who the Fonz is, then uh, I can't really help you. <laughs> but, um, and then, uh, you know, also in this, in the scene, uh, they're, they're in the principal and the sheriff's department are talking to all the students at the school, you know, one by one, Sydney gets called in, of course, and that's when we're introduced to the principal. Um, and also, uh, Tatum's brother, the deputy, Dewey, uh, played by David Arquette, and the actual sheriff who is, ironically, the, who was the deputy in Nightmare on Elm Street. He's basically playing the same character, I, not really, because they talk about Nightmare on Elm Street as a movie in screen, but <clears throat> it's kind of that cool parallel between Nightmare on Elm Street. Like I said, there's a lot of Halloweenisms, but there's also a lot of Nightmare and Elm Street references throughout Scream. There's a lot of references throughout Scream. A lot of horror movies. Not just Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street. But um, the actor Joseph Witt. Who was the deputy in um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Is now the sheriff in uh, Scream. And then after that we're introduced to our main cast. Of, of teenagers. <clears throat> and some of these some of these actors actually went on at least for a while and were pretty big. I mean, we uh, like I said, uh, I remember if I said his name, it's Skeet Ulrich, who plays Billy, Sydney's boyfriend. He went on and did um, As Good As It Gets, and he was on the show Jericho, and a few other things, and also Matthew Lillard, who went on and did you know a lot of fucking comedies and shit like that like um teen comedies and like she's all that he was in it uh he was in um without a paddle he was in the scooby-doo movies as shaggy that's probably his biggest role unfortunately for him and uh he was in the wing commander movie that no one remembers but um like i said uh rose mcgowan is tatum uh sydney's best friend rose mcgowan you know, she went on and did Charmed. That's probably her biggest thing. And she did, you know, she's done other things, but Charmed is, Charmed seems to be the thing she's most remembered for. But then again, most of the people that mention her were, are like girls that were teenagers or preteens around the time uh, Charmed was big. So I guess that makes sense. And of course, Jamie Kennedy is Randy, who's the best character throughout the whole series. <clears throat> well, at least the first two, and uh, he went on. He did. He had his own show, which was kind of similar to Punk. He was in it as good as it gets, also. And uh, his career and Malibu's Most Wanted, which is I've actually never seen it, but I'm told it's fucking hilarious. But anyway, I think he really. His career kind of stalled when he did the sequel to The Mask, the Jim Carrey Mask movie, uh, Son of the Mask. So, uh, yeah, you can't replace Jim Carrey. So doing a movie, doing a sequel to The Mask and it being The Son of the Mask, which is a really crappy movie. Although I did 
watch it and it, for what it was it was enjoyable but it was a piece of shit you know like I said that's Jamie Kennedy and he plays Randy the film buff Mr. Know-It-All when it comes to movies you know I wonder why he's my favorite character but anyway they're just discussing you know like Drew Barrymore's death and the fact that they were all called into the office and interrogated you know asked weird questions like um the boys were asked do they like to hunt <clears throat> and uh they have the comment that uh uh Tatum says they didn't ask me did I like to hunt and he's like well there's no way a girl could kill him and she's you know that's when she's like oh well the killer could obviously be could easily be a girl like Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct and then uh you know, eventually it gets to Sydney, and she just gets up and leaves. <clears throat> and then uh, we go, we follow her to her house, which is on Elm Street. And <laughs> yeah, like I said, there's a lot of horror movie references throughout the course of the first Scream movie and all the other ones, but I think they kind of tone it down in the sequels. And um, that's when we learn that Sydney's mother was killed a year earlier. Like I said, in a very similar way that to uh, the way Drew Barrymore and her boyfriend were killed. And we find out that Gail Weathers, Courtney Cox, wrote a book about it. And Sydney does not like Gail Weathers. And really, Gail Weathers is not that likable character, like that likable of a character anyway. Because she is kind of bitchy. But, um, yeah, Sydney's mother was, uh, Basically, the town slut, supposedly. Allegedly, she was the town slut. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself in terms of the story, but there's no way, no reason to go shot for shot. You know, but yeah, Sydney's mother was allegedly the town slut, and that's why Sydney doesn't want to give Billy any. And she was murdered. And the guy that Sydney said murdered her, Cotton Weary, who was played by Liev Schreiber, and this is one of his first movies. This, you know, it wasn't the movie that made him big, but it's probably, you know, that he shows up in the second movie, and that's around the time that he started getting a lot of movie roles when he was in Scream 2. But we'll get there next week. <coughs> Excuse me. But, yeah, Sydney goes to sleep. She gets woken up by a phone call from Tatum. And Tatum says that she's coming to pick her up because her um, Sydney's dad uh, left town because he had to go on a business meeting somewhere, and because of the murders and stuff, Sydney doesn't want to be home by herself. So as soon as she gets off the phone with Tatum, uh, she gets uh, Sydney gets a call from the killer, and uh, of course she doesn't really think too much of it. She thinks it's uh, Randy, and. Uh, stuff like that and then eventually it's kind of similar to the scene with Drew Barrymore where it's just kind of playful but then she pisses off the killer <clears throat> and he says if you hang up on me you'll die just like your mother and then of course that pisses her off and she runs in that at that point she's outside goofing off and uh she slams the door locks it and then Ghostface jumps out of the closet and nearly gets her and she runs upstairs, and we, we see Sydney's kind of a fighter, because she, like, kicks him down, and she gets up and runs upstairs, because she can't get out, because she locked the door, and he's too fast for her, I guess. 
and she uh, jams the door with her closet door uh, so he can't get in. And she calls now and one through the computer and uh, Ghostface disappears and then Billy appears at the window and you know he hugs her and she's freaking out like the killer's here in the house and he's like oh it's okay don't worry I'm here I'll, I'll protect you and then a cell phone falls out of his pocket and that cell phone just ma- instantly makes her think that Billy's the killer and that he was outside on the cell phone calling her and then he chases her saying is uh, Sydney what's going on no 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 and then she goes he goes she goes downstairs unlocks the door opens the door and there's the ghost face mask right there in her face and she screams and turns out Dewey's holding the na- the mask because he found it and he screams and it's kind of a funny moment and Billy's arrested and then uh you know Sydney's convinced that Billy's the killer and uh Tatum shows up at the station and uh takes Sydney home but before um before um she can leave Sydney runs into Gail Weathers and Sydney punches Gail Weathers, Courtney Cox, <laughs> in the face and calls her a bitch. And then uh, Sydney and Tatum go to her house and they're sitting there talking about it. And Sydney's just like, I don't, do you think Billy could be the killer? And then, you know, just like, nah. And then Sydney gets another phone call and uh, Tatum's mother comes in and tells her this guy on the phone for her and of course it's the killer he's like hello Sydney he's like poor Billy boyfriend and the guy doesn't stand a chance with you and that's the first uh, indication that um oh and he says you fingered the wrong guy again so that's when we figure out that um or that's our first hint that Sydney's mother was not killed by Cottonweary Lee F. Schreiber and that it's probably the same, the guy who's killing everybody and chasing Sydney is the guy that killed her mother. And then, you know, the next morning we find out through Dewey that uh, uh, Billy's cell phone didn't match uh, the call, the, the the number that was called, that called uh, Casey Becker and uh, to Sydney. So Billy's released and then uh, Sydney and Tatum go to school. And then uh, Gail Weathers gets confronted again by Sydney, and Sydney apologizes. And through their talking back and forth, that's when we find out that you know Gail doesn't think Cottonweary was the killer, and she was all about his innocence and stuff like that. And then uh, Sydney kind of lets on that she doesn't think Cottonweary is the killer either, or was the killer. So, of course, the journalist looking for a Pulitzer uh, realizes this and is like, I can prove that Cotton isn't, she shouldn't say this, but she can prove that Cotton is not the killer and that the killer is still on the loose and she's going to catch him and stuff like that. And uh, I didn't bring up her cameraman, Kenny, who's played by uh, uh, W. Earl Brown, who occasionally pops up, he, he popped up as a coroner in Wes Craven's New Nightmare and uh he was he was in vampire in brooklyn both all three movies were done by wes craven i can't remember who he was in vampire in brooklyn i want to say he was a cop or something or he was just i don't know it doesn't matter anyway this guy uh plays a cameraman and the cameraman he's just portrayed as this fat kind of stupid or not really stupid but he gets pushed around by bitchy gail weathers 
and um, of course, news of this atta- of Sydney's attack has made it to the high school. So everybody's playing pranks and running up and down the hallway wearing ghost face masks and costumes. And Sydney gets inc- confronted by um, Billy, and um, you know he says, "What you know? Why don't you?" Why are you being this way and stuff like that? You haven't been the same since your mother died. And and then that's when she's like, my mother wasn't killed or my mother wasn't, uh, didn't die. She was murdered. And he says, you know, when my mom left my dad, I accepted it. That was the way it is. You know, she's not coming back. And then she's like, well, your parents split up. Your mother left town. She's not lying in a coffin somewhere. And then, um, he just, Billy keeps saying the wrong things over and over again the point that Sydney just finally just leaves and says I'm sorry my imperfect life is you know an inconvenience to your perfect existence and stuff like that and then uh we see that um we get the hint that the principal could in fact be the killer because he's kind of hostile towards these two teenagers that got caught pulling pranks and expels them and he kind of He's, I mean, earlier we kind of see him touching Sydney, kind of a little wrong. And now he's like threatening the students with a pair of scissors and stuff like that and calling them little shits and stuff like that. So it's like, eh, there might be something there. But uh, the next scene, Sydney's in the bathroom and she hears these two girls talking shit about her and her mother, about how her mother was a slut and stuff like that. And how Sydney's probably just lost it and she's a slut too and everything like that and she made up the whole thing <clears throat> so Sydney's sitting there crying and she and when the girls leave she gets out of the stall and you know she's fixing her makeup or something and then she hears her her name being called and then she looks down because she hears like she hears something in the stalls so she's like looking under the stalls trying to see if anybody's there and of course nobody's there and then eventually uh, we see a foot come down. We see two feet come down. And the the killer's shroud comes down to like the feet. And then uh, the door opens and, sh- and Ghostface jumps at her. And, you know, she slides past him and runs out. And then basically from then on, school is canceled. And uh, Gail has run into Dewey and Dewey's kind of Dewey kind of lives up to his name he's you know anybody that's named Dewey gotta be kind of dumb so she you know plays at you know Dewey and you know gets his he apparently has like this little crush on her so she uses that to her advantage and uh school's canceled like I said so all the students are happy and then uh we go back to the principal who's got the ghost face mask and he's being goofy but someone's knocking at his door and he, he throws the mask down and looks out the door nobody's there of course so he closes the door and he's like fixing his hair in a very fonzy type of way and the door someone knocks on the door again so he opens the door and nobody's there so he starts looking for this person knocking on the door and he comes across the school janitor who uh, is wearing a red and green striped sweater, uh, fedora, black pants, and uh, it's Wes Craven dressed up like Freddy Krueger, so it's kind of cool. <clears throat> that kind of goes into the whole Freddy was a janitor at the school thing, which I don't really know where that came from. 
because they never once said that in any of the in the movies. They kind of they 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 did that in the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street too. He wasn't the janitor, but I mean, it was he was at a preschool type thing. It's like Freddy was never a janitor. That I did. Wes Craven forget that and watch The Simpsons or something. Because they did that on The Simpsons, too. I don't know where the whole Freddy is a janitor thing came from. But anyway, Wes Craven has his little director cameo as Fred the janitor. And he look, he's dressed up just like Freddy in that scene. And uh, in that scene, you know, when the principal goes back to his office, he closes the door. He closes the door and there's Ghostface right behind it. And he Ghostface ki- kills him. So uh, then, you know... Or like, oh, uh, Stu, Matthew Lillard, says that he's having a party. So everybody's planning on going to the party. And we get just a few scenes of, like, where everybody's at. You know, Randy's at the video store working. And Stu and Billy show up. And, you know, Stu and uh, Randy's talking about, you know, since, you know, Billy. He's convinced Billy's the killer also just because he he's in love with Sydney. So he sees that as a way. He's like, you think Sydney would go out with me now? And then, of course, uh, Stu laughs in his face and said, no, I don't think so at all. <clears throat> and then Stu throws out, I think it's her father. I mean, nobody can find her father. <clears throat> so um, that's when Stu and Billy kind of kind of corner Randy. And that's kind of foreshadowing right there. <clears throat> but um says, uh, Randy's the killer and stuff like that. You know, his movie freaked mind has lost its reality button. And then he's just, Billy's kind of creepy. You know, really, really, Billy does not ever not show any signs of not being creepy except for when he's around Sydney. That's around, that's not really the only time he's never, like, has the characteristics of a killer. But, um, yeah, they all go to the party. And right before the scene where they all go to the party, Dewey's basically babysitting his sister Tatum, uh, Rose McGowan, and Sydney, protecting her. But um, we see uh, the sheriff, and the sheriff tells Dewey that um, they traced the phone calls to a cell phone, and it's registered to uh, Neil Prescott, Sydney's mother or father, and that it's the anniversary of the day his wife was murdered. So they're pretty much they're pretty much certain that uh Sydney's father is the killer. So uh you know, this is a little, they kind of have a little hints there that maybe the sheriff is the killer too cuz everybody's wearing the same boots. They've established the boots the that Ghostface is wearing, that the killer's wearing. It sounds weird to call him Ghostface because they never refer to him in, as Ghostface. I mean, they actually do refer to him. I think that's where the name came from uh, later on in the first in this movie. Uh, Tatum refers to him as Ghostface, but then they never really call him Ghostface throughout the rest of the series until uh, Scream Four. So uh, the killer, the Scream Killer. You know they've established his boots, and just about every red herring we have is wearing those is wearing those boots. I mean, even Dewey and the sheriff, because that's part of the uniform. And um, they go to the party. It's standard teenage party, drinking, whatnot. There's Randy. You know, he's like Mr. Horror Movies. And it's like, oh, there's all these people being massacred. Let's watch a horror movie. And he's quizzing people on horror movies. Hmm. 
you know, how many evil deads are there, how many Hellraisers, and, you know, the f fact that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was in The Fog, Terror Train, Prom Night, as well as the two Halloweens, the first two Halloween sequels, that she is the Scream Queen. And uh, Dewey and Gale go inside the party because Gooey's, or Gooey, <laughs> Dewey uh, has, he sees that Gale's there hiding in the inner news van and stuff like that. So they go in the house and she puts this camera down in front of the TV and nobody's noticed, no one notices this camera. Although it's kind of pretty obvious. It's on top of the TV. It's like hidden behind like a video box or something. So, um, and there's a 15 second delay for later on. And, uh, they're out of beer. So, uh, Tatum goes into the garage to get more beer. And that's when, uh, someone closes the door. Of course, it's Ghostface and locks it. So she can't get in. And then, um, she goes to open the, um, garage door. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, of course, as, she, as soon as she gets there, it stops and goes down. She turns around. There's Ghostface. And she thinks it's Randy or Billy or Stu or whoever. And, you know, she's playing with them and stuff like that. But then, um, you know, Ghostface will not get out of the way so she can go through the door. So uh, he kind of, he makes her drop the beer and it shatters all over the place. And he pulls out the knife and slices open her arm. So she fights him. You know, she hits him with her freezer door and starts throwing the beers that didn't break, the beer bottles that didn't break, aim, and then she uh, makes a run for the garage door and tries to get through the um, the, uh, the the doggy door. And of course, her wonderful big boobied self, because she has some really nice boobs. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Uh, she can't fit through them uh, through the doggy door, so Ghostface uh, opens the door, and you know, of course, she's stuck in it because she has big boobs, and the door closes, goes up into the uh, to the roof, and crushes her head, so she's dead. And that's when Billy shows up right afterwards. Hmm, where was Billy during the party? <laughs> he says he wants to talk to Sydney. And then Stu says, we'll go up to the bedroom so no one will bother you. And then you think that's when Billy's going to put the moves on Sydney, But it's in fact, Sydney puts the moves on him. And they end up having sex. And uh, uh, Randy and the rest of the kids that are still alive are there. And they're watching Halloween. And that's when Randy uh, says, you know... Only virgins can survive horror movies. And he's like, don't you know the rules? And I'm like, no, what rules? He's like, you don't know the rules. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to survive a horror movie. And number one, you can never have sex. And then number two, you can never drink or do drugs. And number three, you can never say, I'll be right back because you won't be back. And then that's when Stu gets up and says, I'm getting some more beer. You want some? And he's like, yeah, sure. He's like, I'll be right back. <laughs> Stu's kind of a retard, retarded dude. But, um, yeah, and then that's when, you know, Dewey and Gail go off, you know, just to walk around the woods and make sure that, you know, 
try to find Neil's car or whatever. Uh, Neil Prescott, Sydney's father's car. And then they're talking and whatnot. And then that's when uh, someone calls the party and tells uh, Randy that they found the principal hanging from the the, the uh, goalpost at the football field. So that gets rid of most of the teenagers right there because they want to go see their slaughtered principal hanging from the football post. Uh, so that leaves us with uh, Kenny the cameraman, Dewey, Gail, Sydney, and Billy, and Stu somewhere. Billy somewhere, or Stu somewhere. And then um, after Billy and Sydney have sex, uh, you know, they're getting dressed and everything, and she's uh, she just thinks to herself, like, and ask Billy, who did he call? Because, you know, when you get arrested, every you always get one phone call. And then uh, Billy says that he called his dad. And she said, well, no, you. I, I saw Sheriff Burke call your dad. And he's like, well, when I called, I didn't get an answer. So Sydney's still like, kind of like, huh? And he's like, he gets kind of close to her and he's like, what, what do I have to do to prove to you that I'm not a killer? And then that's when Ghostface appears behind him and like slashes up, slashes open his chest and stuff like that, and he dies in front of her. And uh, Ghostface chases her through the house, and then uh, she gets out of the house and sees a news van and runs to it. And that's and she and you know, Kenny is there, of course, watching the video footage of inside the house. And of course, there's a 15 second delay. So, um, he says, well, I would have saw, I would have saw something. And then just as he's saying that, they look at the, look at the TV and there's, uh, Randy, of course, drunk off his ass in front of the TV watching Halloween, uh, yelling at Jamie Lee Curtis saying, no, Jamie, don't do that. You know, he's behind you. Ironically, of course, Jamie Kennedy is the actor playing Randy and he's saying, Jamie, he's behind you. And that's when we see Ghostface coming behind Randy. So they're like uh, yelling at the TV, you know, kind of like him. And then uh, just before Ghostface can, you know, he's taking his time lifting the knife. He's about to stab Randy in the in the head or whatever or in the chest. You know, Ghostface hears them yelling at him, at uh, Randy. And then... Uh, they open the van door to run to help Randy, and they see the the uh, house door is open. That would be the first indicator that Ghostface is out of the house and he's coming for them. But it's like, oh, what's the? Kenny's like, come on, uh, thirty. It's thirty seconds delay. That's what it's thirty seconds, a thirty second delay. So he turns around, looks at the TV, and um, and then you know he turns, he sees that Ghostface walks out of the house. Walks out of the room. He turns around and Ghostface is right there and slits his throat. And of course, he falls down dead. And you know, Ghostface chases Sydney through the news van, and she gets away. And that's when Dewey and Gail come back because they've found uh, Sydney's father's car, and they're both still thinking that he's the killer. So uh, Dewey runs in there into the house. And nobody's around, and he's trying to, you know, get everybody together, you know, be a good police officer, which he kind of sucks at it. <coughs> Gail finds uh, a big puddle of blood 
you know, right there under her van. So she decides she's going to get in the van and drive off. And then uh, her windshield is covered in blood and she uh, wipes it off. And then she backs up and stops abruptly. And Kenny's body's on top of the on top of the van. And then uh, she's driving really fast trying to get away and trying to, you know, swerve and get Kenny's dead body off the van. She nearly hits Sydney in a scene very similar to Carrie because she's covered in blood. And uh, Gail drives off the side of the road down a hill and crashes the van and knocks herself unconscious. Sydney runs back to the house and runs into... uh, She sees Dewey come out of the house and he's got a knife in his back and goes face... Pulls the knife out of his back and chases Sydney and she gets into the cop, the deputy van, Dewey's van, or not a van, it's a, yeah, I can't think of what it is, but anyway, and she radios for help and Ghostface attacks her, she gets out of the, gets out of the cop car and then just stops and turns around because she don't hear Ghostface, looks around really quickly and he's nowhere to be found and she goes to Dewey, gets his gun that's when Randy appears screaming, you know, Sydney, we gotta get the fuck out of here and stuff like that. And then Stu shows up and then they're like blaming each other. You're the killer. You're the killer. You're the killer. And she finally, you know, she's confused as fuck. So she finally just says, fuck you both and locks him outside and goes inside. And that's when Billy comes down the stairs. He literally falls down the stairs, literally, because he's still got a little bit of life in him. <clears throat> and then, um. You know, he get, he takes his gun from Sydney and uh, says, well, we need to let him in. He lets him in. And there's Randy. He comes to the door. Stu's nowhere to be found. He says, Stu's flipped out. He's gone mad. And then Billy turns around, you know, looking very sinister and says, we all go a little mad sometimes. You know, we all go a little mad sometimes from Psycho. Shoots Randy in the shoulder and Randy's down for the count. So Billy is the killer, um, and he licks the blood off his fingers and says it's corn syrup, the same stuff they use for pig's blood and carry. So our killer is Billy, Billy Loomis, who's named after, well, Sam Loomis, who's um, the boyfriend in Psycho, also the psychiatrist, Michael Myers is psychiatrist in the Halloween movies. And Billy comes from Black Christmas, the killer in Black Christmas. So, there's your hints right there. But, uh, Sydney turns around to run and bumps into Stu. And uh, she says, uh, you gotta help me, Stu. And he looks down at her and pulls out this little voice changer and says, surprise, Sydney. So, there are two killers. And then, come, come to find out, the motive is, as it was said earlier in the movie... That Sydney's mother was the town whore and she was having sex with Billy's father and Billy's mother found out and left. Left him and Billy and he maternal abandonment. You know, that's his whole motive. Stu doesn't have a motive. He says it's peer pressure. So we never really, because I think they said at one point, uh, they said they wanted... Billy and they wanted there to be no motive there there were two things about the killers like well you kind of got to have a motive 
And then it's kind of scarier when you don't have a motive. And they actually say that in the movie, too. So, um, Billy is the one with the motive, and Stu is the one that really doesn't have a motive. I guess peer pressure. That's what he says. So, their whole deal is they're going to frame uh, Neil Prescott, Sidney's father. And they're going to kill Sidney, and they're going to kill everybody. And they're the ones that get away. Uh, to plan the sequel because these days you gotta have a sequel and you find out that Billy's the one that murdered her mother and framed Cotton Weary so um yeah they're about to they're sitting there stabbing each other Billy and Stu to make it look like they had been attacked and during you know Billy when he gets stabbed he just loses it and starts slicing open Stu and at that point, uh, eventually they come to their senses. He's like, okay, get me the gun. And Stu turns around to grab the gun. And the gun's not there. And he's like, well, where the fuck is the gun? And that's when Gail Weathers shows up and she has the gun. And she's about to shoot Billy. And, of course, the safety is on. So he, um, she don't know how to turn the safety off, apparently. So Billy kicks her and knocks her out when she hits the wall. And he's about to kill her. He turns the safety off. And Sydney and her father are gone, so they're like running. They're like he's like looking all over the place, and Stu is like bleeding all over the place. So he's he's hurt really bad. And uh, Sydney is Sydney calls calls them, and she has the voice changer and is like, "Guess you called the cops on your sorry motherfucking asses." And then you know Stu goes through the house looking looking for Sydney. And he gets distracted by Halloween, which is still playing. And ironically, the scene in Halloween that's on the TV is when uh, Michael Myers is breaking into the closet, trying to get to Jamie Lee Curtis, and Billy's right in front of the closet. And that's where Sydney is, dressed up like Ghostface, and she's got an umbrella, and she stabs him with the damn umbrella because he had been stabbed earlier, I think. But um, behind the scenes there, uh, Nev Campbell actually stabbed Skeet Ulrich with the damn umbrella. And she did, it, she did it to another actor playing the killer in a later installment. Now, when I get to that movie, I'll tell you about that one. But yeah, he had to have stitches and stuff like that. I think he had, um, there was a padding there or something, and she missed it. And she actually stabbed him and stuff like that. There's one of the actors, one of it was either Skeet Ulrich or the actor in the later installment that she ended up ac accidentally stabbing. So if you're in a screen movie and you get, or if you're in any movie and Nev Campbell has to stab you, be extra careful because she's has stabbed like two or three actors already. But I think he had his uh, shoulder operated on or something like that, and I don't know what the story is, but basically she stabbed the dude. She stabs Skeet Ulrich for real, so his reaction when he screams when she stabs him, I think it's the second time, because she stabs him twice in that scene. His reaction is real. And it, like, fucked up his shoulder really bad. So Billy's down for the count, and that's when Stu runs in there and attacks her, and she uh, knocks the TV on top of him, you know, killing him. <clears throat> so, um... Uh, she's checking to make sure Billy's dead and then that's when Randy jumps back up 
and said, uh, you know, she says, Randy, I thought you were dead. It's like, I probably should be. I never thought I'd be so happy to be a virgin. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, that's when uh, Billy jumps up in the jump scare and punches Randy down and starts choking out Sydney. and she sticks her fingers in his stab wound. He screams. He's about to stab her, and Sydney or Gail jumps up out of nowhere and shoots Billy. So he's dead finally, quote unquote dead. And she says, I guess I remember the safety of that time, you asshole or bastard, whatever. I can't remember what she says. So the three survivors are standing over Billy to make sure he's dead. And Randy says, careful, this is the moment when the supposedly dead killer comes back to life for one big scare. And of course, Billy's not dead. And he like is about to jump up. He's like, wow. And Sydney has a gun, so she shoots him in the head and she says not in my movie so both killers are finally dead and then something jumps out of the closet and you know scares him and it's Sydney's father and then we see uh the next morning and Dewey's being uh wheeled away in a gurney and Gail Weathers is reporting on the night's festivities and the film ends there with uh her giving the the news report and you know pans over to the rising sun fades out and that's the first screen guys i remember when scream came out it was uh friday it was december 13th 1996 it came out the friday after i thought it came out december 13th because they were advertising the shit out of it that night. But it was Friday the 13th. And back then, USA and TNT, especially TNT, they would have Friday the 13th marathon. So I was up all night watching Friday the 13th on um, Up All Night with Joe Bob Briggs or Monster Vision. I think it was it was the one it was whatever Joe Bob Briggs's show was. And he was showing Friday the 13th, all the movies. And I was watching Friday the 13th Part 3. And they kept talking about this damn movie Scream. And I was fucking tired of it. They was like, I don't want to watch this. I want to watch Jason. Fuck this stupid. This shit cannot be good. Little did I know. And I didn't really give a fuck about it until the summer. And even then I didn't really care. When it came out and everybody was. I mean they had screenings at VSU. And they had screenings all over the place. This Scream movie was big. When it came out on video. Holy fuck, it was impossible to get a copy of it. So, uh, my mother, I guess, just wanted to watch it because she had heard about it. And I was like, I don't want to watch that movie. And she's like, well, good, you don't have to watch it. But, of course, I watched it with her. And I was sitting there just trashing it as she was watching it. And I was was like, "Mm." slowly but surely, I was getting into it. And, I mean, I liked it. It was a really good movie. But through my talking shit about it I didn't really enjoy it and it was months later um I think I bought the fucking ghost face mask it was around Halloween it was like when they first started putting Halloween decorations and costumes and shit out and I bought the mask so I went over to my sister's house and she had a direct TV I think and I I I recorded it off a pay-per-view and then that's when I really got into Scream, and I was like, I was, it was, I mean, I loved the movie, it was really cool, it was 
kind of a not really ahead of its time, but you could tell that West. I mean, it's done by Wes Craven, of course, but you could tell the writing. The writer Kevin Williamson was onto something, and he was a good writer, and he appreciated and loved and knew all about all these horror movies, particularly the '80s slasher movies. So Kevin Williamson, the writer, became like my freaking idol, man. And then he became a big name in Hollywood. And they're like, well, we need you to do another Scream. And he's like, oh, I was always planned it as a trilogy. And um, he started writing Scream 2 and they started working on it. He was like, well, we want, you know, Columbia Pictures got at him. And he's like, I want, you know, what do you have that's like Scream? So he did. I know what you did last summer. He wrote it. And that, I'll probably review that at a later date, but that is a really odd choice considering what, I know what you, I know what you did last summer it was like a teen book in the 70s and it's nothing like the movie. You took a really crappy teen mystery that no one had ever heard of and wouldn't have, it would have been gone forever if it wasn't for that fucking movie. Turn it into a slasher movie. But like I said, I'll probably discuss those movies, or that movie at least, because I reacquired a copy of it on Blu ray not too long ago. But, um, yeah, it was just odd. And then he was just big for a while. I mean, he did, uh, he wrote Scream 2, and that was huge. And then, uh, they, for some reason, they, WB got him to write, or uh, a, a teen show which was Dawson's Creek so the guy who wrote Dawson's Creek or guy that created Dawson's Creek ended up he made um Scream and I knew you did last summer and Scream 2 and was one of the uh you know ghost writer for Halloween H2O and did the he wrote the faculty and stuff like that I mean he he did all these it was weird because he would do like dramas and serious stuff and he would do these slasher movies or horror movies it's just weird and uh now he's doing or he created i don't know if he he has a knack for starting shit and then abandoning it he's kind of he kind of strikes me as a he i think he's got an ego on him and he thinks he his shit don't stink he never stays with something he never finishes it so it's like he uh he did that for Scream because I mean he didn't do Scream three, and he did it for Dawson's Creek. He came back to finish it, and since there is no Scream five yet, and the TV series has absolutely nothing to do with the movies, except for the concept, you could say he came back and finished Scream. I guess, but I mean, he's done. He uh he's doing the Vampire Diaries now and. I'm sorry, I just, I can't do the Vampire Diaries, I don't, I just, I'm too old, I guess, and, you know, it's too close to Twilight for my tastes, but whatever, I said totally different discussion right there, and I won't get into it uh, any day, so, uh, yeah, Scream was fucking huge, and it jump-started the teen slasher genre, and, you know, very similar to the way Halloween did the same thing 18 years earlier. The difference is we didn't get as much 
as you know they did with Halloween in terms of all the ripoffs, knockoffs, you know, wannabes and stuff like that. Because we just we didn't get too many of them, but the ones we got, I don't really know what the deal was. I guess maybe we're just you know we or people just they didn't want to deal with it anymore because it was it was. A, a fad really that just really died really quickly and then we got shit like uh the sixth sense and blair witch which i like blair witch i don't like sixth sense though i'm sorry i just hate the i hate um the sixth sense i'm sorry i hate it like there's nothing i, I may have to watch it again and i may watch it again one day you know see if i like it now but i hated it so stuff like that, you know, put it was like the nail in the coffin for the teen slasher craze, which was kind of kind of good because it could have gone on for so much longer and gotten so much worse, much like the way 80 slashers were. But that's all for this week. Be sure to check back next week for Scream 2. And the following weeks for, you know, the subsequent entries. Uh, thank you for listening. Be sure to check out It's Just a Dream podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, be sure to check back next week for Jurassic World, definitely. And Scream 2. And check back the subsequent weeks for the subsequent entries. Thank you, and enjoy your night. Thank you. If I say thank you one more time, I'm going to stab myself in the ears. (laughs) Good night.